Well, welcome to the Situation Report, Monday, October 16th. This is Lieutenant Colonel Murray. There's a ton of misinformation out there this week, and I want to get to a lot of it all at once. But I need to step back a little bit and look at the bigger picture because there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes. And it's amazing how a couple of days can change the situation on the ground, especially when you start looking at the diplomatic pieces of it that are that are flying around the Middle East right now. Specifically, look at Blinken's trip. He first went to Saudi Arabia, then he went to Egypt, and then he was in Israel. Austin went straight to Israel, and the message is unanimous across the entire Middle East. And that is, if, you, if, if they go into Gaza Strip, they're going to cut off gas. And I know Saudi Arabia said to Blinken that if you go into Saudi Arabia, we will shut you off. There's a lot of diplo diplomacy that should be going on right now. And I'm sure the U.S. is being told, because remember, we're a net importer of gas right now. We're not an exporter. We're not producing our own gas. We're a net importer. And the strategic oil reserve has been depleted and sold off. So we have to import for everything, and it's by design. So I'm sure Blinken got an earful, because what's, what has transpired since all of this began was literally massive propaganda campaign. I mean, massive. And I still don't believe anything I'm seeing out of that place. There was supposedly an attack in Belgium today, but it's looking more and more like that was a false flag just because of some of the film that's coming out. But I don't trust anything right now. And I'll tell you why. The, the propaganda campaign started on day one and it started with stage photo shoots, both of Hamas as well as the Israelis. So I'm going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit and I want you to stay with me this time because the information war that we've seen for the past 10 years has been one tempo after another to distract the public. This is, this is way different. This is a shift towards incitement. And I have no doubt right now that Iran, the U.S. government, and probably Mossad are all in on this because a story you haven't heard is that the Secret Service was infiltrated by Iranians, and Iranians were on the detail, Secret Service detail for the president. It hasn't been widely published, and I, I haven't verified it to make sure it's definitively true, but I've heard it from a couple of people that I, that I trust, and it, it wouldn't surprise me. Rather than outing the, the Iranians and arresting them, they literally paid off the Secret Service agents. So Iran had direct access to the president of the United States in a variety of ways. Now, if you're a foreign intelligence operative, that's a wet dream. Direct access to your enemy's president and direct lines of communication back home. You could coordinate anything. You could set up anything. And do you think Iran gives two shits about Hamas? Do you think they care if they burn a bunch of, of Palestinians? They don't. 
The ends justifies the means. So what if the scenario is all three of these countries are working together to create a massive distraction while they, they set up things here at home? And today I was sent a bunch of video about armored cars being moved uh, through Wyoming, through, I think it was Wyoming, Nebraska, and there was one other state that I was sent videos of today from TikTok. And again, TikTok, you have no date timestamp. You don't know when these were sent. But one of the videos, a guy said, this is October, it's Wyoming, et cetera. So the point is, all in one day, Ukraine went away, the Biden crimes went away, the Hunter Biden case went away, the, the news about Bob Mendez went away, and they were able to obfuscate all of those nefarious activities and use the Speaker of the House as yet another drama to keep people distracted away from what's really going on. Right now, I would rather imagine that they've, they've planned and they're getting ready to execute a number of false flags, probably in a couple of big cities, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, and they're going to conduct some kind of an operation that will look like 9-11, but is completely perpetrated by the Iranians, the U.S., probably Mossad. Because the next phase, if you've read Pawns in the Game, the next phase is chaos. They create, they create chaos. They create all kinds of turmoil in the cities. And then they bring in the troops and they, they bring in the solution. 15-minute cities. So the point is, is that I don't believe that this, this situation in Israel was just happenstance. The timing was too, too well coordinated. I know Mossad knew about this. There's no way they couldn't have known about this. This is not a 9-11. This is an act that was perpetrated with their knowledge and their acceptance because they won a 9-11 moment. And here's the problem they're having. It's had the opposite effect. By the, the shelling, the bombing, and leveling of buildings inside of Gaza, they've galvanized the entire Arab public against them. Now they're galvanizing within Israel the anti-Netanyahu crowd against him. And I'm quite sure that this attack that happened in Belgium today was just a distraction to try and lure people away from what's really going on in Israel. And that is people are calling for the Netanyahu government to be thrown out. And if that actually persists and moves in the right direction, that will disrupt all of their operations. Because I'm quite sure they counted on this being a protracted conflict where they went into Gaza and people were galvanized to, to get rid of the Palestinians. It was never going to happen anyway. And their blunder, again, this is their arrogance is always their undoing. The reason why they blundered in this case, at least in my opinion, is that they underestimated public opinion and the weariness of the public for conflict. The entire planet is tired of conflict. It's not just the U.S., the entire planet. Africa has been in conflict for 40 or 50 years. The Middle East has been in conflict for at least 40 years. They don't want any more. They're tired of conflict. They're, they want a resolution to the Palestinian-Israeli situation. And they want a diplomatic solution. If, if Trump showed us anything, 
It's that the paradigms that we established around peace in the Middle East were completely false. And they were based on false assumptions because Jared Kushner, who everybody knows I don't like the guy, went over there and tried to broker a peace deal. He did broker a peace deal between several factions. He tried to create an economic opportunity zone that would invite neighbor nations in into the fold if they put away the weapons and they actually started to do business and started to work with one another in a business footy. That was the premise of the entire um, deal across the Middle East. And the, the reason why it failed, it was too uh, Israeli-centric. But at the end of the day, at least they attempted to do it, and the paradigm shifted. The other paradigm they shifted was moving the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem and recognizing the Golan Heights. That was, those, were, those are two very, very big things that Trump did that, of course, it was downplayed in the press. But those are two very big things that literally disrupted the paradigm and broke the glass ceiling. And it gave a lot of the, the Middle East hope that peace was on the horizon and that there would be a, an end to a lot of these age-old conflicts. Because look, Hamas, Hezbollah, a lot of the militias that were in Lebanon, they're all thugs. And people get tired of living around thugs. It's just like in, in Afghanistan. Once the U.S. moved in, all the warlords kind of disappeared and faded off into the into the sunset. And it's it's due to the fact that people just wanted to live free and they didn't want to live under any kind of tyranny. And the same thing is occurring right now in the Middle East. People are protesting because they want to they want to end to the hostilities. They want a peaceful resolution to this and they want the Palestinians to have their own home. And that's not going to, that's never going away. No matter how many different shades of light they try and shade on it to say Hezbollah and Hamas are the two only culprits in the area. The, 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 at the end of the day, the public doesn't buy it because the Palestinians didn't ask for these guys to go on the offensive. They were incited by Iran, probably by the fucking CIA, to, to, to do this attack. And now innocent Palestinians are getting killed wholesale. And the rest of the world is like, yeah, we, we know who the bad guys are. You're not going to go kill a bunch of civilians to make your point. We, we get it. We're done with this violence. And that's what you're seeing right now. And I, I firmly believe that that was an overestimation by not just the Israelis, but the CIA as well as Iran. Because if you go back to World War II and you go back to the Pearl Harbor attack, what was the one thing that the Japanese underestimated? They underestimated the resolve of the American people. And after Pearl Harbor, the American people were resolved to defeat Japan. That's what just happened to Israel. I said, the day one, I said, um, I was, uh, I think it was at breakfast with Krista. And she said, okay, the world's on fire. They just attacked, uh, Hamas just attacked Israel. I go, they're going to level the Gaza Strip. They've wanted to do it for 30 years. They're going to level the Gaza Strip. And literally that's what they started doing. 
I wasn't surprised at all. And I'm still not surprised because we created the perfect storm over there for something like this to happen. At least we set conditions in both the media as well as the public narrative to carry carry this out. But what we didn't do is set conditions for atrocities that Hamas was committing prior to this happening. And we did that somewhat prior to uh, 9-11. But 9-11 was highly effective shock and awe that caught the entire world by surprise. That was truly shock and awe. And it was highly well, highly coordinated and well-planned and well-executed. There was the flaws that tripped them up with CNN reporting that Building 7 went down early. And there was a number of flaws in the messaging. There's a number of flaws in the movement of the president, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody knows that that was an inside job now. The same thing, that's the first thing that people went to, though, in this case. Because everybody, even myself, went, wait a second. How can you say that Mossad, the most highly effective intelligence agency on this planet, was caught by surprise? That is an absolute fallacy. There is absolutely no way that Mossad would have been caught with their pants down. They run every major complex operation on the planet. These guys are into everything. They're into the U.S., they're into Russia, they're into China, they're into the Middle East, they're into Asia. They're everywhere. And they are highly effective at human intelligence. You're telling me these guys got caught with their pants down? I don't think so. And literally everybody I talked to that's been in the intelligence space went, nope. That's bullshit. And the public started doing it too. Even the Israelis started saying that on day two. Israeli soldiers, Israeli former intelligence officers came out of the woodwork saying, nope, we know that Mossad knew about this. Again, if you're going to carry out a highly effective information operations campaign, and it's just like the deception campaign that we ran in World War II against the Germans, to make them think we're going to land at the Pas de Calais versus Normandy, it took it takes a huge amount of logistics and messaging and a lot of a lot of inertia to pull that off. So it's so it looks seamless. You can have small mistakes, but all your narratives, all of your messaging, all your activities, all have to line up. Otherwise, nobody buys it, and that's exactly what's happening to the Israelis right now. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly why they're paused right now, because they're waiting for some kind of diplomatic negotiation in the background to allow them to move into Gaza. And either way that goes, the moment they step off the line of departure, they're going to galvanize the entire fucking planet against them. And that is not going to go well for them. This will be the end of Israel. That's how bad this is. And the funny, the funny part of this is that you can see this building from last week. Both sides were playing the the martyr card, they were playing the headless baby card, they were playing the, the victim card. But what's shown through of all of that is the fact that the public was saying, we don't want to see any more innocent people killed. If this is just combatants, that's one thing. But when you start leveling buildings and killing women and children, that's where this stops. Full stop. And I guarantee you, that if they move into Gaza and kill a bunch of women and children, the entire Middle East will go full stop and start looking at them 
and every crazy on the planet will start migrating to the Middle East to go fight Israel. This is their worst nightmare. This is the perfect storm. And they created it all by themselves. And our participation is being held back by our, our trading partners in the region. If we weren't dependent on oil right now, if Trump was still in charge and we weren't dependent on oil and this situation was going on, we would say, we are not supporting you. There would be no carrier battle groups in the area. There'd be no U.S. troops on the ground. You are on your own. The only reason we're in the region is because of preponderance of our Senate and our legislative bodies are dual citizens with Israel. And most of them are compromised because of Epstein. And uh, an interesting thing today, there was a, uh, there's been more and more, because again, I get sent things every single day and I listen to a lot of stuff as much as I can, read as much as I can. And I get sent things every single day. One of the things that was sent to me that I thought was very, very interesting is I saw a trend today and a number of things about Epstein and Mossad's, Mossad's support of Epstein. Because the biggest mystery with Epstein is where'd the money come from? This guy was basically a near-do-well that rotated through all the firms in Wall Street and then ended up with $600 million, the biggest, the, the biggest townhouse in, in Manhattan and these mansions all over the place on private island. No, no one thought he was that smart or that good of a financial analyst to be able to do pull it off. And that's been the biggest mystery, where'd the money come from? And I've long thought that this was an intelligence operation. And I think it was a dual hat intelligence, CIA and Mossad working together to compromise officials all over the planet. And here's the funny part of this, this whole situation. China took a play out of their playbook and used it against U.S. politicians at the same time using Asian women and Asian kids. And nobody, nobody paid attention to it. They just paid attention to Epstein. I will tell you there's other islands other than Epstein's island. There's other places in the world where you can have a smorgasbord of little kids if you're into that. And Thailand used to be a place where you could go and have sex with underage girls and boys. It's no longer the case, or at least it's no longer as prevalent as it was before. But there were other parts of the world that were that were just like Epstein's Island. There still are. And the Chinese are probably operating two or three of those in Asia right now. The point I'm trying to make is that the only reason the U.S. is involved there is because it's for the simple reason that most of the elected officials are dual citizens and they're compromised. So they don't have a choice. They're being coerced to support this. I mean, the only one that doesn't make any sense is Lizzie, Lindsey Graham. That guy, the stuff coming out of that guy's mouth is just, it's like he took, he, he's on a bad acid trip and nobody told him. He's hes completely lost his lost his marbles. He, the things he's saying are just ludicrous. But it's all, Part of it's probably because he's the show part of it. He's the distraction. While every every other elected official, like Santos and some of the others that are putting on shows, they're the actual voting body that's trying to support what's going on in Israel. And you notice how all of a sudden, all in one moment, all the stories that we're tracking about Ukraine are completely off the books now 
Nobody's reporting. All the reporters left Ukraine. And now all the Biden family stuff, everything else is off the plate. I'll tell you why that is. The Russians are on the move right now. And they're not as successful as I thought they were going to be, but they're on the move and they're creating salience right now as we speak and trying to surround and get the Ukrainians into a pocket. It's only a matter of time before the Ukrainian army collapses. And without our support, which is what this is all about, they started another front to distract us away because they knew that was crumbling. As soon as that crumbles, then the question becomes, what's the next push? Are they going to go into Gaza? Are we going to start a wider war in Lebanon? Are we going to be decisively engaged in Syria? Are we going to decisively engage in the, the Gulf of Oman with Iran? There's a number of different scenarios they can play in their playbook. But the point is, all of this, to me, is scripted. All of this has been carefully coordinated and choreographed. Because remember, Biden's not running the show. And Obama was overly friendly, along with Brennan, a Muslim, and Muslim Brotherhood, with Iran. And all of this started with Obama in 2008, all the way through. And he's the one that built the communist police state that's in D.C. right now that's convicting all of these different patriots for crimes that aren't really crimes. Like the gag order on Trump today. Completely stupid. Dumbest thing I've ever seen, but it doesn't surprise me. That's why I say every bit of this was scripted. They knew they were in trouble in Ukraine. He, Obama picked up the phone. He called Iran and said, we need an attack on Israel. Called Mossad. We need an attack on Israel. Okay, we got it. We can do that. Remember, these people don't give two shits about human life. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about anybody on the ground there. And they definitely don't care about the Palestinians. Every bit of this to me was scripted. And I know that's probably a stretch for most of you. But take, take a step back and look at this from the perspective of the elite are losing the information war. They've lost so much ground to the alternative media that they can't build and stage a narrative without it being debunked the same day. And because of that, we've disrupted a lot of their operations. Specifically, look at COVID. COVID lockdowns were supposed to come back October 1st. And Alex Jones, to his credit, notified the entire world in August. And for the next several weeks, you saw nothing but a backlash in the press. Did we see any COVID lockdowns? No. Although today they did release something that I thought was hysterical. This is the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. Because of permafrost, there are skeletons and mummies that are coming out of the permafrost. Wait for it. With viruses we haven't seen in 3,000 years the zombie viruses, because of climate change. Literally, that was in the uh, either the Telegram or the Daily in the UK. That They still are trying to play the climate change thing and the zombie virus. And everybody's like, wait, what? Get out of here. But that's that should tell you that they're losing the information war. And they're losing the information war. Again, their arrogance is always their undoing. Anytime that you 
anytime you do an information campaign of any kind, especially influencing operations, it takes so long to influence a public, the public. It, it's not like you push out a movie or you push out a sitcom and you do an ad campaign and everybody buys up, buys into it. It just doesn't work that way. You're trying to influence multiple different segments of the population and demographics all at the same time. So it takes an extended period of time to do it. It takes a lot of messaging and you got to, you got to package the bullshit and freshly deliver it. It's got to be freshly packaged, well-delivered, and it's got to be rotated. Just like when you go to the store, they rotate the stock. You know why they rotate the stock? Because they don't want you seeing a brown steak when you're supposed to see a pink steak. And they know that if you see a brown steak, you're not going to go in there and buy from them anymore. The whole point is you need, you need fresh bullshit delivered all the time for people to consume it. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but it's really not. Any effective influencing campaign, and, and I'll use, for example, the campaign around breast cancer. If you look at how the breast cancer campaign has metastasized over the years, and that is a pun, by the way, they have used, first it was breast cancer awareness, then it was then it was breast cancer day, then it was a march for breast cancer, then the pink came in, then the, then the whole, you know, boob shirts came in, save the rack, whole bunch of different sayings, and every year they added to it. And now you look, anywhere in the u.s around breast cancer awareness day and you will see pink and you'll see a bunch of slogans all for breast cancer it's a highly effective influencing operation because so many people are passionate about it now and that's what you're trying to create you're trying to create public opinion favorable to whatever you're trying to drive the outcome to but you're also trying to influence the population to accept an idea that they may not be you know jazzed about and I can tell you that I know people that are breast cancer survivors. My, one of my sister is a breast cancer survivor. And up until she had breast cancer, I could have, I'd have, I'd have given two shits about it. But so many people were affected by it that it caught on. And again, they create the problem, breast cancer, they create the outcome, and then they create a siphon to siphon money off of it. And they use breast cancer awareness to siphon money off the public to fund all of their and launder money. And that to me is because a lot of that money never, never ends up in breast cancer research. I hate to break it to you, but all these institutions that talk about it, if you look at what nonprofits, how they spend money and how completely unorganized and how dysfunctional they are, probably one tenth of one cent gets to the actual people that need it. The rest of the time, it's going into the pockets of the staff and all the other overhead that goes along with the nonprofit. In either way, the breast cancer campaign over the last 20 years has been highly effective, but it took 20 years to get it to where it's at now. Constantly repeating, beating the drum, constantly doing events, constantly putting put the public space and public awareness having you know celebrities talk about their experiences doing shows where there's breast cancer victims doing shows like ER where they're they're dealing with the staff that has breast cancer and they die from breast cancer i mean all of that's all of that's woven together into a narrative so that you see it in multiple spaces and multiple parts of your 
not just your your day-to-day routine, but multiple parts of the media that you consume. And they do that over a very long period of time. If you look at this new narrative, here's the newest narrative that they're trying to weave. They're trying to weave in schools that communism was done the wrong way. And if we just do it right, the world would be a better place. And they have been spinning that for five, six years now in school. And it's meaning more and more of a backlash because kids are coming home programmed to, to, and they're saying stupid things like, you know, communism isn't all bad. Stalin wasn't all bad. I mean, that kind of rhetoric is reckless and stupid, but that's what you get when you put academics in charge of things. But the point is they're trying to do an influencing operation that Maoist communism is the only way that the world's going to survive. It's just another way to corral you into the kill box and get you to accept the social scoring system and complete control. And they've been doing it for probably 10 years and you don't even realize it because the bullshit's been freshly packaged and redistributed. Go watch fucking Star Trek. Star Trek is a smorgasbord of communist propaganda and bullshit. And they've ruined the franchise. Not that I was a big fan in the first place, but the point is, the whole premise of Star Trek in the first place was to was to educate the public that if we ever want to go to space, we can't take our politics and our petty differences to space because most alien species don't work that way. And I think that's a pretty good premise to start with. But the fundamental premise that they've made is that everything's a socialist environment in space. Oh, my God. Go watch Star Trek Discovery. That's the who's who of liberal narratives that's just completely retarded on every level, every scene. You got the LGBTQ, you got the gay romance, you've got the pronouns, you've got the women's rights, you've got the the reproductive rights, then you've got the socialist message with the, the interwoven we're a family to this despondent group of retards that's that's all a family. The, the whole point of the exercise is to influence you that socialism and communism are not what you think they are. That's why influencing operations take so long. And why I'm leading down this path is that I firmly believe that they thought when they kicked off this operation in Israel that the public was just going to swing like they did under 9-11 and everybody was going to move in the same direction. And everybody is going to be completely okay with them burning down and tearing down the Gaza Strip. And when they started getting mounting backlash, and now they're getting protests of millions of people in the streets in both Europe and in Israel, it's giving them pause. But they're also getting backlash from the Arab states, which I think is fantastic. Because the I think it was Doha, the cutter, uh, I think it was cutter first that said, we'll cut off the oil if if you don't stop bombing. And I thought that was, that's what I was talking about a measured response. That was an absolute positive step from leaders that are like, we don't care who was right or wrong. We just want innocent people to stop dying. And if you don't stop killing innocent people, we will cut you off. And Israel is a net importer of everything. So they don't have much of a choice. If they get cut off from oil, guess what? They stop moving. No tanks move. And that, to me, was a brilliant strategic move and a diplomatic move. Now, the UN, of course, couldn't pass a resolution, but, you know, that's that's 
that's a corrupted organization that was useless way back when it was established in the first place. It's a Rockefeller construct that's that's failed miserably over time and continues to to get juice pumped into it. But that's why we see the situation today. I see the situation is developing into a quagmire that they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't because they back the Israelis have backed themselves into a corner. And I say that because diplomatically, they, they've already stated that we're going to go in, we're going to destroy Hamas once and for all, and we're going to level the Gaza Strip. And it's been stated in several different ways. I don't think it's been stated overtly that we're going to level the Gaza Strip, but I think they've said in several cases we're going to raise the, the parts of the Gaza, Gaza Strip where Hamas is operating. And they've already they've already started to do that. So I, I I firmly think that this is either going to destroy the Netanyahu government or it's going to destroy the entire area. Because they don't they've like I said, they back themselves into a corner. That they either attack or they lose face. And I think if they lose face, it's probably the best thing for for Netanyahu and for Israel. Not because they're losing face, but if there's a diplomatic solution to stop the death of innocent people, that to me is a positive outcome. Because I don't really give a shit who's who loses face or who looks good or who doesn't look good. I could care less. I don't care if somebody looks stronger than the other. I I don't like seeing innocent people without resources killed because of somebody's dick waving contest. And that's literally all this has been for the last 60 years is a dick waving contest. And I know I'm oversimplifying because there's religious overtones, there's geopolitical, there's tribal, there's there's nation state. I got it. I'm just telling you from my perspective, this is a dick waving contest. And there's no fucking reason why you level buildings with people living in them. There's a diplomatic solution. If you want to push in there on the ground, then you give people 48 to 72 hours to get out of the AO like we did in Fallujah. We gave them a whole week in Fallujah. You got one week to get out because we're leveling this place. And then we went in and leveled it. And it was mostly combatants that were in there. The public can stand for that. They won't stand for wholesale genocide anymore. We've seen this repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And I... And I said something, I think, on Sunday or maybe it was Saturday, that as the situation develops, the key thing is to stay out of the in the emotional space because the emotional side of this is where they want you to be. They want to polarize uh, Muslim versus Jew, Christian versus Jew, Christian versus Muslim. Again, classic psyop. They want to put everybody into a box, and then they want you to fight amongst you, amongst yourselves, whether they're fucking you over here on the left. And that's what they're trying to do right now. And I'm, I'm glad to see both Jew and Muslim, Israeli and Palestinian standing side by side saying, enough's enough. We've had enough. We got it. You guys hate each other. Go do that somewhere else. And I'm hoping that that builds over the next week to the point where it drowns out any noise from the mainstream media. And I'm also glad, and this is going to be probably 
a shock to most of you, but there was a Reuters um, press crew that was that was hit by the um, by the Israelis on I think day three, and one of them, the cameraman, was killed, and the the reporter was paralyzed uh, from I think the hip down, and there needs to be more of that. Because the press has been lying to the entire population across this planet for the last 10 years, probably 20 years. And now it's time for them to feel some of the pain. They have they have precipitated shit like this for the last 20 years. And if you don't think I'm serious, go back to any of the reporting in Iraq, especially in the early days of Iraq, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Though, you know, we used to do combat reports. And it used to get under my fucking skin every single time we wrote a combat combat report because it was essentially two KIA and three Iraqis dead. Not who they were, not what they were, not where they were, three Iraqis dead. And we never counted how many Iraqis were killed. Not while I was there. And I, I, I spent, I think, two months just tallying the, the death toll from roadside bombs, from IEDs, or sorry, vehicle IEDs, from mortar attacks, rocket attacks, because they they didn't just affect us. They affected the Iraqis too. They'd overshoot our fobs. They would they would overshoot our convoys and hit a house. And nobody ever nobody ever gave a shit about it. And just in two months that I was on the ground in 04, there was almost 320 dead Iraqis from attacks from both sides. And nobody gave a shit about it. So I'm glad to see that people are actually starting to give a shit about this and realize that the people that are most affected by this are the ones that never voted for these guys to be in office. They never voted for a conflict with Israel. They were just trying to live their lives. See, that's the part of war that people don't realize is that it's all waste all the time all violence all the time. And when you're in, when you live there, you have no place to go. Where were these people going to go? The place is an open air prison. Where the fuck are they supposed to go? And the answer is they have no place to go. They have no resources to go anywhere. So I'm really glad to see that people are crossing the aisle and they're banding together to send a message to the elite. Because if, if that continues, That's the momentum we need across the planet to throw these people out and to put them in jail. That's the catalyst we need for the world to unite. And if this is it, so be it. But I hope this is it. Because if it's not, the the other side of the coin is the escalation piece. And if this escalates, first it's going to be they're going to go into Gaza. You're going to see a bunch of dead bodies, a bunch of dead kids in every news station across the planet. Then you're going to see people go off the reservation in Europe. They're going to go off the reservation in the U.S. They're going to go off the reservation in the Middle East. And they're going to start doing a bunch of different suicide attacks on a number of different innocent people. And you're going to see that all over the place. That's what they want. That's what the elite are driving you towards. That's why they want you emotional. They want you to feel isolated, alone, so you go off the reservation. Well, nobody's doing anything about this. I need to step in and do something. Or I I can't believe they're doing that to these innocent people. I'm going to go take matters into my own hands. Meanwhile, all this is going on 
all this messaging is happening. You're wrapped up in what's going on on the ground there. They're moving forces to our cities. All these military-age males are being moved around the U.S. right now and being staged for whatever false flag that they want to conduct here. You start to see the bigger picture in the game of the influencing operations. That's the game. The whole game is to keep you wrapped up in the emotional state so that they can manipulate you into being surprised when something happens here. That's the game. Sorry, I'm reading through the comments. Yeah, I agree. I agree, Casey. The 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 whole Walking Dead thing. God, that shit's so old. And you know what? If if they perfected some kind of a zombie virus, then you know, bring it. I, I'm like everybody else. I'm tired of the waiting. Let's get on with this shit. I know how it's going to end, so let's just get on with it. That's that's kind of how it. That's how that's how, at least how I'm looking at it, and I know other people feel the same way. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. They make a lot of money on the uh, on the pink ribbon side of the house, and they're all highly paid. They go on junkets. They do all these these high speed trips and all these speaking engagements and stay at four star hotels. I know it's it's the life. Anyway. The politics of this aside, this whole thing's a distraction. I think it's planned. I think this it, it was it was executed. I don't think it was executed well, but it was executed. And I think we're gonna the next few days, and this is again, this goes back to why I say let's see how things develop. Because this is why you do that. You watch to see what the elite is doing and how they're marching the narrative. Because it never it, the first few days is all about the 15 second video soundbite and video clip that gets people energized it's the next couple of days where you see what their intent is and where they're driving the messaging to and now that we know what the messaging looks like and the world is starting to push back let's see where they go with this now let's see what the messaging is out of this because every single time they do this and they have to adjust their plans we put them on the back of their heels and we need to keep doing that to keep them off balance so eventually this whole system will fall under its own weight of corruption. And we're we're pretty close to that right now. This whole, this whole debt ceiling thing is a bunch of nonsense. Economically, show of hands, does anybody think the economy is as good as they're trying to tell you it is right now? No, it's not. The economy is an abject mess. We don't build anything. We don't produce anything. We don't ship anything. We don't, we, all we do is import. That's all we do now. So I don't see any of this working out in their favor. I see a series of failures that lead to a number of couple of things. One chaos in certain countries, chaos in some of the bigger cities. And then I see Americans starting to work together. And just so you know, I'm not just making this up. I ran this past Daniel Estelin. I ran this past um, a few others. And, you know, I love I, I love the guy because, first of all, he operates on a plane of existence that I could only reach to touch as a spirit. He's that smart. Um, but I asked him on Sunday, I said, hey, do you think that the elite 
are still on their plan. And he said, they're creating chaos. And that chaos will be unmanageable. I'm paraphrasing. The chaos will be unmanageable, but they're creating chaos. And that's the next phase that's in the book, which I agree with because we were both on the same page when, when, uh, when he said that. But ultimately, they're not going to win. And really, I love it when the shills show up. Um, ultimately, they're going to fail because their arrogance is always their undoing. And that's why they're trying to silence Trump. That's why they're trying to silence and put people in prison for January 6th. They're trying to build a precedent for bigger roll-ups. And they haven't faced... That's true, Luxor. I've, how many things... And here's another show of hands. How many people have ordered things from either Amazon or another vendor and it showed up at your door and either it was inoperable or broken? I can tell you in the last... 10 things I had shipped here, two of them were non-functional. One of them was broken. <clears throat> All of it just in the last six months. So you're right, the quality is going down. But anyway, the, the other part of this is that, that I want people to keep in mind is all the messaging you're seeing right now, especially from the mainstream media, which is why I don't watch the news at all, all that messaging is trying to get you steer you towards pro-Israel, pro-Israel, pro-Israel. So watch the next couple of days because I think the next couple of days will be pivotal because it'll show you what is going on in the background with the Arab states that's driving Israeli operations on the ground. Because they, I thought for sure they were going to go in on Sunday. I figured they'd breach the walls and they'd go in Sunday and they'd start leveling buildings and pushing them back. And they haven't done that yet. And I'm, I'm firmly convinced that's because the Arab states told Blinken that if you go in there, the entire Arab world will be against you. And they look, the reality is the Israelis can't handle all the Arab states at their doorstep. They know we don't have the logistics to support them, and they know they don't have the logistics to carry on a sustained fight. So that, that will be the tell in the next few days, how that messaging plays out. So watch the next few days but this is exactly why i keep saying see how things develop see how things develop I, that's why i say those things because the other thing about the information space is that there's no zero sum quick win quick messaging that galvanizes the public even 9 11 it took months of messaging terrorist activity terrorist cells this terrorist network there, if you go back to 99, 2000, 2001, you're going to see a bunch of movies that talk about terrorist cells and terror cells, et cetera. Just like during the pandemic, you saw all those movies coming out about zombie apocalypse, pandemics, you know, epidemics, blah, blah, blah. You have to build that narrative for the public to buy into it. It's not a zero-sum thing. So they were building towards this. And I'm sure if you do some research, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But now that they have to adjust their plans, let's see which way they go with this. Let's see how they develop the message. Because I think at the end of the day, they're going to have to punt and it's going to trip them up. And again, this is, this is one of those things we hope for, the law of unintended consequences. Because every time we see it, 
Every time they have to adjust their plans, even if they've wargamed it out, because they have to shift a bunch of resources to do something else. And every time you shift resources to an alternate plan, nothing ever goes smoothly. And every time they have to do that, it trips them up more and more and more. That's why I hope, that's why I say, let's see how the next few weeks, next few days develop. That will give us the tell. The other piece too is I'm getting a lot of message traffic around um, talking to specific groups, talking to prepper groups. I only have so much bandwidth. So let me just put that out. I don't, I don't have a lot of time to go and do this. Um, like I did Sunday, Sunday I spent um, with Troop and one of his admins. Then you, if you haven't been on Trooper's channel on Telegram, um, it's called the Trooper channel. If, if you haven't been on his channel, watch the videos. He went through somebody's bug out bag. He went through all the items in the med kit and he's a wealth of knowledge. And he, you know, he did a video of me sitting on the couch afterwards. And we were, you know, what did you learn from this? And I, I will tell you that every time I'm I'm uh, around my admins doing something, doesn't matter what it is, not just true, I learned something, and um, that that was the point of the exercise to keep keep it fresh in everybody's mind, and go through the bug out bag and give them, you know, you probably want to have this. Here's the intent of the bag, et cetera, et cetera. So there's it's like a six part video. It's, um, it's about an hour, hour, hour and twenty. It's worth the watch because there was things that I forgot, like garbage bags. Didn't have any in my in my kit. Didn't have, um, you know, a lighter stuff like that. So it's a good, it's a good refresher if you're doing doing that. And Troop has a new name now, Sensei Troop, and as well as Street Jesus. I I, I prefer Street Jesus because I think that's a better a better name for it. But uh, wealth of knowledge and but I don't have time to do that all the time. Maybe one day a month I could go do that. But I am open to meeting with Patriot groups, to meeting with uh, prepper groups and and sharing what I know and sharing my my two cents. Because I think that's again, that's the power that we have over the elite is we have the ability to share across hundreds, if not thousands of people and come up with alternative ways to deal with, you know, and get outside of the kill box. And I think that's going to be vitally important as the next few months develop. And to answer one of the questions in the chat, do I think we're close to zero hour? I, I absolutely do. I think by the end of the month, they will try and conduct some kind of an attack on the public under, under the guise of a, you know, terrorist attack of some kind. And I think it will fail miserably because all eyes are open now. Everybody's watching it. Do I think they're, they're not going to try? No, I think they're absolutely going to try. And look, the best part about saying that is I, I hope to be wrong. I absolutely hope to be wrong because if I am, it means that we disrupted their plans or we made them adjust. And that to me is a win. So the only reason they're bringing so Susie, the only reason bringing their the reason they're bringing Bush forward is that they're out of cronies to bring forward. People hate the Clintons. They hate Oprah Winfrey. Look at what the the, the well, look at what the the Maui fire has done to the Rock's reputation. People fucking hate that guy now. They got nobody else, and you can bring Bush out, but he's he's 
the, he's the quintessential ball licker for the elite. The, 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 the entire Texas establishment is sick of the Bush clan. So they're bringing him out in a vain attempt to try and legitimize terrorist activities. Because you remember the rhetoric he used in 2001 and 2002 before we went into Iraq. You're either with us or you're with the tourists. It's the same shit. It's the same rhetoric. Go listen to his his interviews. It's the same shit. They're killers. They're barbarians. This is a crusade. It's the same shit. That's the only reason they're bringing him out is to try and legitimize what they're doing. And it's not going to work because the whole world is going, you know, we're done with this. We've had enough. And my sincere hope at the end of this, after all the suck, that we see the Bush family hang, we see the Obamas hang, and we see the Clintons hang publicly. Because this, the amount of, the amount of death that Bush two and Bush one caused under their watch is nothing short of genocide. And at the end of the day, they need to stand for their crimes, just like Bill Gates does, just like Anthony Fauci and the rest of them. That's how this has to go. And there's, I love when the shills show up and they want to correct my grammar or they want to, they want to tell me I used a word wrong. You know, I talked about this on Friday night on Gray Matters. And if you haven't watched the Gray Matters show, you should probably go lose it. Go go watch it because I, I lose my shit on it talking about it. Because Jesse always does it to me too, right? We, we talk about the Q shit and that always gets under my skin. But I had just literally before the show had a conversation about the Q stuff. And it there's one argument that the Q community makes that pisses me off to no end because it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And that is the American public needs to see all the crimes that they're committing. Okay. No, they don't. The American public needs to see enough to be convinced that military action in Washington, DC was justified because the entire city is compromised by communists, by shills, and by traitors. That's what the American people need to see. And if the press was actually not controlled by a few oligarchs and people were doing actual reporting and it was making it to the bigger part of the population, I guarantee you we would not be here right now. Because somebody would have pulled the trigger in 2021 when the massive amount of deaths and injuries from the vaccine started, they would have been full stop, go arrest people. Send the 82nd Airborne in there, bust heads, arrest people, shoot people. But this stops today. You don't need to show over and over and over again the corruption in D.C. Everybody knows there's a certain level of corruption. But where I draw the line is when innocent people are being killed by a vaccine that's being peddled by a bunch of Luciferians in Europe This should have been full stop fucking nuke Davos. There shouldn't have been any masturbation or consternation about what we do. Somebody in a leadership position should have been an adult and said full fucking stop right here. You send in two brigades into D.C., you arrest every single fucking politician, you arrest the shill that's in the presidency, you arrest the FBI leadership, you arrest the DOJ leadership, and you execute some of these bastards on the street. 
full stop. See, it still pisses me off. Still pisses me off. You don't need to show people by mass death that something's wrong. And the other thing that I've said over and over again, which I failed to say because I lost my shit, was all you have to do is show the doomsday tape of people being key people in our government, molesting children, or the conversation that I'm sure NSA has recorded somewhere in their data centers of Anthony Fauci on the phone with somebody in Wuhan, China, talking about how many different people are going to die from this vaccine. Full stop. Go arrest that son of a bitch. Better yet, let Rin Tin Tin chew on that motherfucker before you drag him out of the house and drag his bloody corpse out of the house. That should have happened in 2021. So all that nonsense about the public needs to see this, bullshit. We had enough in 2020 after the election to go into D.C. and clean house. But the, the establishment was too compromised for, for Trump to do anything. He had no support, which is exactly what happened to Bolsonaro. And this is the part where Trump failed. You know, if Trump was really a patriot, I would have got on stage in D.C. because I, I, my whole viewpoint would have been like, fuck it, I'm going to die anyway. They're going to they're gonna whack me anyway. I would have gone on D.C. and I would have gone on stage and said, I need every armed fucking patriot that is loyal to the Constitution in this city tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock and we're taking back our fucking country. I guarantee you, you would have had 10 million armed Americans in that city. And they really would have been scared. And it wouldn't have taken much to, to make that happen. Because the American public was incensed on January 6th, incensed. And that was, that's what tells me he's a controlled asset, is the fact that he didn't do that. And he had every opportunity to do that. But instead, it's let's wait for the court case. Let's wait for the court case. Let's wait for the court case. I was wrong. I was wrong. You see what I'm saying? I'm, I'm being somewhat facetious and taking that a little farther, but you don't need to show the American public all these things over and over again for them to get it. You just need a channel to the American public. And you can't tell me there's not enough oligarchs out there besides Mike Lindell that can purchase and acquire a media company and actually start to broadcast this. And it's not Elon Musk. There's other oligarchs that can do that. This tells me that there's too many people in D.C. that were not favorable to any kind of an action, even though that was the time to do it. So now here, here we are. We're prior to, to zero day, and people are starting to, to figure out that something's wrong. The whole point now is be prepared. This is going to be at the local level, so be prepared. In fact, yesterday, driving through my neighborhood, I realized that the U.S. government has bought housing for illegals out of Africa in my in my neighborhood because there was a gal dressed up in the whole um, the whole burqa, the whole nine yards, walking through the neighborhood yesterday. Never seen her before. Walking into a the house that was for sale, and guess what? Now I have illegals in my neighborhood too. That's the point of knowing who the fuck's supposed to be here and who's not supposed to be here. At the end of the day. 
this is going to be local and it's going to happen locally. It may not happen all over the U.S. all at one time. There may be safe areas in the country, but the point is now is to be ready and to know the people around you so you can mount a defense if something does happen in your neighborhood. And this this notion of when do I get my guns out, you're going to know when that happens. It won't be a big muscle movement. The question you have to you have to answer is, are you going to be confident enough? Are you going to be steadfast enough in your belief system to do it when it actually happens? Because you're not, you're not going to have a lot of time to decide if things go the way that, that I think they're going to go. So now's the time to prepare. And I keep saying it. I know I'm a broken record. I don't care. The point's to be prepared. And part of being prepared is expanding your sphere of influence. And I want to talk about this a little bit because this conversation came up yesterday. And the, the question I got, which is a very legitimate question, is how do you build a sphere of influence when you have people around you that are not open to it or not awake? And the point is you start with people that you know and trust. You build on their friends that they know and trust. Then they build on their friends' friends that they know and trust. And pretty soon you got 50 or 60 people. The The difference is as you get older, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you have a lot of acquaintances. You don't have a lot of friends. And when you come out of high school, you've got a few friends. And then they have a few friends. These are people you trust with your life. These are people you can depend on. These are not fly-by-night friends, people you met at work. These are people you can count on. In the middle of the night, your cars broke down in the middle of BFE, you can pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm stuck here. And they'll be like, I'm on my way. That's that's your sphere of influence to start with. And then you start building more and more of your network that way through people that you can count on and that other people can count on and that other people can count on. And pretty soon you have a sphere of influence. As you get older, your friendship and your opportunities get more myopic because you're at work, you're, you, your friends come and go. And anybody who's been divorced will tell you that their friends change when they get divorced. It happens to everybody. But you still should have a core group of friends. And if not, start getting involved in your community and your church and start there and start building friendships there. There are good people around you. You just have to find them. Part of that is putting the phone down, putting the, stepping away from your computer and making human connections. The people I met yesterday were salt of the earth. Absolute salt of the earth. Open their home to, to Troop and I and um, literally rolled out the red carpet. And it it's one of those things that I've been talking about forever. Go make a human connection. And I'm glad I did because it, it gave me a not just a uh, a place to decompress away from this, but it gave me a human connection with people that legitimately it's, and it, by the way, it's very, very weird to have somebody quote back shit you've been saying, because I'm, you know, I'm talking into a microphone, I'm talking into a screen. I'm not really talking to people all the time. So it's nice to actually have a conversation when somebody says, how does this happen? How do we do this? And you know, how do we, how do we accomplish all these things? And how do you build your, your sphere of influence? How do you enhance your, your, defensive posture because most people don't even know what that means and a lot of it is and i'll use the i'll use your community 
all your neighborhoods, you know, you should know everybody on your street. And then in a wider spectrum, somebody in your neighborhood should know people on other streets. And you start making those connections there. The point is, is to expand your line of sight away from your house so that as, you know, and you can just, then Trip used the, the example of hand out those, those, you know, cheap Motorola radios. They've got like a quarter mile range and have people do turn it on at a certain time of the hour, turn it off, send a message. But the point is farther out from your, your neighborhood, you can establish an early warning network, the better off you're going to be to get organized. And it's simple things like that. Once you establish your sphere of influence to start having those conversations and start looking around your neighborhood to figure out where's the high spots, where's the low spots, where do we channelize traffic when it comes in here? Some of you live in an urban area on a, on a regular city street. You, you may not have that opportunity. You may have an alleyway. And the, where I'm going with this is the more people you have in your, in your community that are paying attention and watching, the better off you're going to be with early warning. And then you can start to build those relationships into a line of sight and sphere of influence. That's where we're at right now. We're not in the place where we can go kick doors in D.C. and start arresting people. That ship sailed in 2022. In fact, that ship sailed on November 8th of 2022 when they took the, the second election. And no matter what you think right now, we're probably headed towards zero hour. Whatever that looks like, wherever that's going to kick off, everybody feels it. So now use that time to get prepared to, to get more things in your stockpile because it's probably going to happen all the same time. It's, it's it's literally going to happen, you know, where the economy collapses, the logistics collapse. Like I say, it's all culminating in the same place. So if you can get your community ready and get your family ready, that's success. That's the point. What do you mean? You need to get me licensed. So anyway, um, the other thing, too, we batted around and I wanted to throw this out to the to the public is I got asked. Uh, actually twice this weekend, when are you going to do a shirt that says one, one team, one fight or one T one F and I'll throw that out. Is that something people want? Because, you know, um, I've been asked about it several times and I never really thought about it, but it's a question for the group. Sorry, I'm uh, trying to catch up with the comments. You guys are alive and well today in the comments section. Yeah, this won't be a for-profit thing. This will just be a uh, cover the costs and and do it. And it, if we do any, if I do anything with this to where it's it, it generates money, it's going to go into Troops 501C for his his medical relief of the homeless. I, I don't have any desire to make any money off of this. I just want this to be, um, yeah, ham license. I can tell you what my call sign is going to be when I get it done. I'm about three quarters of the way through. It's going to be November one Tango one Fox Alpha. Just so you know. Anyway, just a thought on the on the t-shirts. Um, we're still working on the ham radio. So don't give up on us yet. We're still working on that. It takes logistics, it takes time, but we're working it. 
So I figure in another month we'll have an answer there. So now you know. Okay, that's the last bit of the admin stuff that I wanted to cover today. Um, I'll be doing this again Wednesday, and then I'll be off net uh, for probably four days, four or five days. And then I'll be back on the net on Monday. Um, Wednesday, I'll probably have Lieutenant Colonel Conrad and Troop on. I still have to do a show with Shreda Starr, with uh, Michael Yawn, who I traded texts with him all weekend. Um, Daniel Estelin, Alex Craner. Um, I haven't heard back from Tom Luongo yet. So I've, I've got a few on the books for the next couple of weeks. Um, and we'll see how the situation develops. But you can reach me and see me. You can listen to me on Apple Podcasts. I'm on Spotify in the same name. You can find me on, um, I think I'm on Sony as well, and Samsung Podcasts. I'm on Amazon. And I'm also on uh, Telegram, True Social. I'm on Gab. Under Gab, I'm at BSG0075 on Gab. I don't do a lot of posting out there, just to be honest. Um, I kind of ignored that. But uh, yeah, it's it's starting to come around because I, I it's funny as I logged in there and people had already found me and I didn't even realize that I still had an account out there. So um, yeah, so there's that. But uh, no, I hate com guys. No, no offense, but I hate com guys. I, 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 yeah, I had a 25 MOS, and I yeah, know I fucking hate com guys. So, yeah, I, I've already had that story too many times. Sorry, but anyway, uh, feedback on the shirts posted in the comments section on the video. Uh, feedback on our questions posted in the video, and. Uh, yeah, who are airborne? I just saw that comment in the comments. But uh, feel free to throw the, the comments out there. You know where to find me now. And like I said, we'll do a show probably with Troop and Conrad and potentially Colonel Piper on Wednesday. We'll do the roundtable, and we'll see how things develop. Other than that, folks, remember to local local action drives national changes. Start focusing on the local level. Start focusing at home. Start building your sphere of influence. Replenish the stuff you've used, but use your stuff. God bless. One team, one fight.